Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Don't waste a moment. Don't waste a moment. Don't waste a moment. Our lives is broken up into moments. Time is the measure of every currency that God has given to us. Don't waste a moment. So our lives is denoted in moments. Small moments, big moments. Can I tell you guys something? We all have, there's a movie called In Time. I think Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And that movie is the best description of how our lives are. From the day you come up to majority and your eyes open, you have only so much short time. And when your days expire, you cease to exist. So don't waste a moment. I don't need to define this, the title of this message. Don't waste any moment. Don't waste a moment. Every moment counts. Every single moment counts. Don't waste it. Don't waste a moment. Say that to someone. Don't waste a moment. Let's start from Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And let's read this together. One, two, go. Call. Oh, let's read it together. One, two, go. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Like there are things you don't know. There are realms you haven't dared to enter in. There are things you haven't explored. There is more. There's more in God. There are realms that we've never ventured into. There are ideas in God. There are spirit beings. There are levels in God that we've never stepped into. There's more. So don't defeat yourself on thinking that this is all there is. All you know is all there is. There's all, there's more in God. Much more in God that will blow your mind. So I just want to invite you not to stay in that place of your current understanding because there is more. And how do you get the access into more? Call unto me. Call. Make a demand. And I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I will show you. I will not hold them back from you. I will unlock it to you. Stay with me. Live in me. Dwell in me. And I will show you great and mighty things. I will blow your mind. That's actually incredible coming from God. Because already, from the beginning of creation, we see the incredibleness of God. From all that, Romans chapter 1 says, since the beginning of the world, we've seen the invisible qualities of God. His eternal power, his glorious inheritance from the things that he has made. So we all see the awesomeness of God. But then God begins to tell us, there is more. Call upon me and I will show you more. And you know, when you start walking with God and you start making yourself serious, the first thing that happens to you is that revelations begin to happen to you. You know, you start dreaming dreams. You know, start coming into encounters. Some of us get afraid and you know what we do? We just back off. But honestly, there is more. 
There is more. There is more. So you see the people, when we say in Jesus' name, different reactions happen to different people depending on, the Bible says, according to the power that is at work in you. If you allow the power of God to work in you, then all of a sudden you begin to step into some, something much more. Something much more. Hallelujah. Isaiah 64, verse 3 to 4. Let's read this together again. One, two, go. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for those who waits on him. He asks for the one who waits on him. Men have not seen. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Of a God like you. Who asks for those who wait? It's like everybody's choosing other ways. But a particular guy says, I will wait on the Lord. And God now wakes up and begins to act on account of the person who waits on him. I've seen people removed. People who thought they were so high and mighty removed from their position because of one small fry that is in sync with God. I've seen God stand up and fight battles. And you're like, God, my God, that was so bloody. I've seen God remove heads of state. I've seen God do mighty things for those who wait. <laughs> Those who hang on with God begins to encounter something much more. So don't let the futility of this moment define it all for you. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. And now you have heard these things from the evangelists who preached the gospel to you through the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even angels long to get a glimpse of. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 of the Passion Translation. Angels long to get glimpse of what God does for the people who hang with him. Angels long to get a glimpse of what God is ready to do for the people who are walking with him. So it's not futile like we think. It's not all concluded like we think. This is not the summary of the matter. Where you are today is not everything. There is more. There is more. There is more. I want to stir up your hearts to believe this morning that there is much more in God. And there's another place. That there's another level. There's another realm that you can climb to in God. There's a release of a higher level in God that God's people can step into but will you wait or will you pack up the Bible says when nevertheless when the son of man comes shall he find faith will you wait there's more there's more in God there's God revealed many things and the angels in heaven are shuffling themselves and said oh oh what is it God is doing for mankind what is it God is doing for man? What does God plan for George? What is God's plan for you? Angels are asking themselves, what is God's plan for Pastor Fred? They're like trying to understand the mystery, the depth of what God wants to do for us who wait on him. God has set his love on man. God has set his love on you. 
An old song says, He loves me. I cannot say why. He loves me. I cannot say why. On Calvary's tree, He suffered for me. He loves me. I cannot say why. Then he came to them and said, okay, I'm going to walk with you. But here's what's going to happen. And he said, if you want to come after me, place your agenda down. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. You want to come after me? You want to follow me? Deny yourself. Place your agenda down. Many times when pastors preach this thing, they mean that church members should not do other ministries. They should come and work in their ministry. <laughs> you know, there's no Moses Michael's ministry here. <laughs> like I sit down and take notes from every pastor who preach. It's a platform. What we have here is a platform elevated for the glory of God. Can I tell you guys something? There is something in our hearts versus something else in God's heart. That thing which is in our hearts and our strategy, we must place down. That's what it means. Yeah? And he said to them, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So there is actually an exchange that needs to happen when you exchange the way you want to move, the way you want to roll, for the way God wants to move and the way God wants to roll. Yeah? That's actually the main thing. So this scripture, we know it, but the doing of it is actually the problem. Because I can tell you, like, we all have things we want to do. We all have places we want to go. We all have what we want to be like. Do you understand? We have expectations. Don't sit here and pretend that you don't want to be Mr. Big Stuff. You don't want to be the one with the, with the billions so I can give to everybody else. Don't, don't act like you don't want to be the one with 20 children all over the house running around. Uh, but you're not the one worrying about them because they are well taken care of. You have like caregivers and stuff like that. The children for this. You know, you, you don't, don't pretend that you don't want to be the one with, 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 uh, with an estate where you, where you have like uh, a marina on the backside and a car drive on the front side. Don't pretend that you don't want to be the one with a house on the hill with, on the, on the hill with, the, with picket, white picket fences and long drive long, long drive-ins with, with, with well manicured lawns at the edge of the, of the road drive into your house. Don't pretend that you don't want to be the one who can fly to Acapulco anytime you want or, or, or Mallorca or just, or just manage uh, uh, Mar Marrakesh. Don't, be, don't pretend that you don't want to be the one who wants to junk at the world and go to Monaco one, one season and say, oh, my house in Canada. I don't go to Canada during winter. I just go during summer. You know, don't pretend that you don't want to be that person. We all want to. We all have a desire. But some of you say that, oh God, my desire is not just plenty. Just give me a small car, a small wife, a small children, and I will be okay. I don't, I don't have big desire. Lord, what I'm asking is not plenty. I'm not a greedy man.
But when God begins to walk with you, he changes the normal trajectory of your journey. Some things are delayed. Some things are denied. It seems like as if your life is always in an uproar, as if you're always chasing something. There's a banter. There's an exchange. When God begins to pick you on you, there's, a, there's something God has to ask you to lay down. Constantly, God will ask you to place something down and place him in priority. All of a sudden, God begins to place a demand for him to be first and for you to come later. And this is the crisis we face. This is the crisis we face. I call this the resistance. This is what inhibits us. This resistance. There are five elements here. I don't know whether they're clear enough for you to see. One, critical spirit. Critical spirit. Do you know the person who needs righteousness the most is the one who also says that other people are not righteous? You know the sinner is the one who criticizes the church the most. You know the cynical person is the one who says pastors are always doing this. Yeah? They're always the one who's saying they're hypocrites everywhere. Pastors riding high on Titan offering. Yeah? There's always fake prophecy in the church. They gave me a prophecy last time it didn't come to pass. They're always sort of the ones those people who, who need help the most are the ones who look down on the help that is needed from them for the church. So we mock the church so much. We talk down on the church so much. In fact, some people make their ministries a church criticism ministry. But then we want the church to be strong for us when we are in need. We want the church to stand up for us when we are broken. We want the church to have fire. If everybody mocks this church, the body of Christ, how can it be strong? So the first thing the devil sells you when the devil wants to deal with you very well is a critical spirit. Yeah? That's the first one. Second thing. is <laughs> atmosphere. Atmosphere. You go among your friends, like Pastor Uche's example, atmosphere. Some of you say like, ah, no, atmosphere has nothing on me. Like she said, I don't drink. You know, my pastor just said eh, that what Maltina and Suya can cause. Maltina and Suya, like, would you like a malt? Like, would you like me to buy you some Koyi Suya? It's a good evening, quiet evening. And then, Farm City Fish. No, I mean, no, I'm just a nice guy. Just come in. Yeah. And that's the day that the FM station begins to play. Just watch out for tomorrow. You hear all the, all the lazy DJs go. This is FM Rhythm 92.7. I know it's a cold night out there. If you don't love the one who loves you, you can love the one you're with. What does that even mean? <laughs> and the car stereo is humming nicely with AC. Before you know what's happening, the atmosphere takes you. Some of you say you're really good people. 
until you start hearing ding, 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 loading, loading, ding, 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 loading. Bado snare. Bado snare. Peru, para. Peru, Peru, para. I live in the material world. These things fill my ear yesterday in the, in the barbing salon. It was then I got this. The Holy Spirit started to speak to me. See, atmosphere. People were not planning. They're not planning anything. But the atmosphere is just tuned to draw. For some of us, it's goals. Like I said, don't pretend that you don't have goals. You don't want to be somewhere. You don't want to go somewhere. Just that pursuit of what you want to be. So the man of God picture is not working for you. You know God is calling you. <laughs> but there is a resistance between your goals and the man of God image God is carving for you. <laughs> for some of us, it's hard knocks of life. You know, spend four years laboring on a job where there's no profit, working faithfully. After that, you just said, no, no, I'm done being, being compliant, being straight. Hard knocks has pulled you to a place where now you want to do it by all means. For some of us, it's circles. The circles we must belong. I see so many people in this city. Do you understand? Lagos is a city of circles. I see so many people who I share with. But the main deal is that they have to go to Lagos Motorboat Club. They have to go to Ikoyi Club. They have to be in the Polo Club. They have to be among the golfers. So generally, what is actually pulling them is circle. That circle where they hang out and mix and everybody's looking at you funny like who are you now you know those conversations when they start in your circles it doesn't have to be in the club alone it can be on zoom your family zoom meeting some of you is your mother the day your mother comes to visit there's going to be trouble hey, bring any man you are too choosy and they just do your head in Right. Parents, please, if there are any children sitting next to their mothers here, tap them and say, Mother, no pressure, no pressure. Even if you are young, like you're 13, like Zoe, just tap your mother and say, Mom, you don't give me pressure. Don't give me pressure. Can I tell you guys something? There's something powerful when you go against the resistance. These elements disrupt your journey and your calling upon God. When any of these things come against you, you can't call with your whole mouth. You can't call again. You become weakened. I don't want to shout through this place. I want you guys to get it. That things happen that hold you back. The best of us feel it. I told you the other day how someone asked me, Pastor Mo, don't you think you're a failure? Right? And that day, the devil came to me and said, yeah, don't you think you're a failure? I'm like, how? Do you understand? Like, how? How am I a failure? Now, yeah, the, the anointing in my life, the grace of God, the, do you understand the power, the, pre, the presence of the Holy Spirit? 
So, but people want to judge you by how much dough is in your account, truly. If you see the seven five in my account, you will know that in here. I'm not so powerful in the natural. But guess what? I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Say it. I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Because by the evaluation of men, all of a sudden, you begin to look down on yourself. You begin to oppress yourself in by the judgment of men, by the standard of comparing yourself with other people who you think are your mates. You begin to feel weak. This is the resistance. And that's why many of us do not call upon God. Evelyn Underwood, a mystic, it was, she is. She wrote the book, The Christian Mystic, in 1911. She, she said this. We mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs. To want, to have, and to do. So we are constantly craving, clutching, and forcing. We are kept in perpetual unrest. Quite simply, we do not die to self. We are no longer. So quite simply, when we die to self, we are no longer obsessed with self. So the whole idea is to die to self. When you die to self, then you can follow God. When you die to that agenda, when that agenda loses its allure for you, when you see God's dream for you more powerful than your dream for yourself. In fact, sometimes the pastors don't help. We sell. <laughs> we sell our dream. We sell our desires to the church members and we cause the church members to grow in covetousness. We don't sell them the idea of God's dream. We don't sell them the idea of God's purpose. So everybody wants something. Everybody has to do something. Everybody goes to do something. You must have it. You must want it. You must be the one doing it. How many businesses and partnerships have been broken because somebody else is a narcissist? He can't see anyone else but himself. How many brothers will go into a business and they will end up fighting when money starts coming out? Why? Because you can't see nobody but yourself. That desire to be, to want, to be the man. And these are the things that the devil uses to take us down. Don't waste moments. Because what we want to do in growing our reputation is to use media. In growing our wealth, want to, want to be aggressive. In We want to be smart, want to outsmart everybody, want to outrun everybody, want to outgun everybody. Quickly get in the door. Eh? Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So love and marriage. I'm sure some of you were expecting us to preach a message on love. Love. Love, just like love. Love is in the air. Coop it with shootest arrow into your heart. Love is in 
and I did it my way. All those rubbish songs that we sing. And desire grows in your heart. Desire grows in your heart. What if God is saying you should be and you knock unto him? I said this the other day. It seems like God may be calling one or two eunuchs in this house. <laughs> Mark chapter 10. Let's read this together. One, two, go. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last will be first can i tell you guys something i came from a village when i was 10 years old i was a farmer so all the 10 year olds along with me will go to each other's farms so i will farm in the village and be like you know just like every other village boy you know, I was going to secondary school, but then I go, my grandfather gave me a farm. So, I could have as well been a rabbit dealer in Kafanchang. I could have as well been anyone. L literally, I could have actually just been a good, good header somewhere. The journey that brought me to this place is grace. Do you guys realize that the worst man you know the only difference between you and them is just the clothes you wear and the English in your mouth. The worst girl you know, some of them are hotter than you. Literally. Let me challenge you. God says that he's the one making you. That everything you abandon for his name in this life, not in the next life. When, which life? It's right there. Yeah? In this present age, Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. Whatever I left out of that village life, what has God made of me? Of course, I will always look at the best point of my professional life and use it as a benchmark. The year 2000, 2001, when I, was, when I was a director in an international telecoms company, when I had a house in Ikoyi, when I had two gardens, one in the front and one in the back, when I had like orderlies running around, I would always use that as a measure. Or when I'm resident passing a big church and there were 15 protocol team waiting at my beck and call, you always use the highest point. But was it real? Was that time real? Was it really real? Some of you say, yes, it's real, it's real. <laughs> when God begins to remake you, because God took me from that Ikoi house to BQ in VGC. You guys understand that it's journey. But before the Ikoi house, I told you the story of how I was working in Muriokuola Street in VI, earning 40,000 naira a month. One day I ran out of money. And I was squatting in Lupeju. So I had maybe like, you know how you have like about 300 naira, you know it's not going to be up to your transport money. So I just said, let me trek to 
from VI to Akbongbong. And maybe from there, I use the remaining to underbridge, enter the bus. I reach Akbongbong. I say, okay, let me just reach stadium. Then I trek to stadium. I just said, hmm, I'm in a stadium. Let me just go to Joel Legba. <laughs> I saw Joel Legba. I just said, ah, Palm Grove is not that far from here. <laughs> I think by the time I got to Palm Grove, I don't think I was the one walking. <laughs> I decided that, okay, tomorrow how will I get to work? Let me keep the 300 Naira. Then as I walked over, by the time I got to a Banikoro bus stop where you cross over into a liquidity where I was squatting. Yeah. I just got home and slept. The Bible says the, the sleep of a weary man. <laughs> I had effectively trekked from Victoria Island <laughs> to a liquidity. I did it. It was two years later that I, was, I moved into the house in Ikoyi. No qualification change, nothing. No degree addition, nothing. The same guy, the same guy who was so broken and busted, ripped by the power of God and placed in a different place. Guess what? If you don't receive the grace to abase and abound, things will hold you. Material things will chain you and you will never be able to go on the journey of God. You must be able to drop the crown. Drop that crown. Drop it. Because of the promise. God can outdo you. He can outgive you. Can I tell you guys something? God, <laughs> oh my God. I can't explain it. But God has promised you a promise that He's always going to be with you you. I think this message is for someone who is going through something right now. You're going through something. It seems like the situation in your life is unacceptable to you. It seems like you are in a place where things are hard and you're in a place where things are tight and God is sending you this word. Trust me. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things but it won't follow the pattern of what you're looking for it won't be like what you're expecting it won't look like what you're expecting but honestly i want to give you much more than you can ask or even imagine but can you trust me can you trust me says the spirit of god so here's romans chapter 12 verse 2 here's how when god asks us to trust us here's how he wants us to think this is the passion translation again stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the holy spirit through a total reformation of how you think this will empower you to discern god's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes so god wants to change how we think God wants to change how we are. God wants to change how we roll. God wants to change the things that are important to us. God wants to change what makes our blood boil. God wants to change what makes us animated. God wants to change what, what makes us to rise up and be gingered. God wants to change it and give us something better. He wants to give us something higher. He wants to raise the game. But you know, we think we're the masters in the game. We think we can play it. We think we can do it. 
And because of that, we keep on falling because the system of this world is designed to make you to never arrive. Never arrive. Always seeking, but never getting it. Always near enough, but never catching it. The, the, the thing is supposed to pass to you, but it's just not passing. The, 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 the people are supposed to give you the contract, but the contract is just not coming. They're just supposed to give you the favor, but it's just some, it's like as you reach out your hand, the thing draws. You reach out your hand, it draws. Have you ever seen those who sell ice cream and make fun of you in, in short movies? You know, take the ice cream. It's like snakes and ladders. Reform how you think. There will be three areas of how we think or the soul, the soul of man. Your soul is made up of three areas. I wrote this in my book, Collide, chapter three, Battle for the Soul. Your soul is actually the place of your war. There are three areas of your soul. Your will, your intellect, and your emotions. So your will is actually what you want to do. What you want to do, your will. What you prefer, your preference. What you like to do, that's your will. Then your intellect is the things you've learned. Your strategies, your learnings, your degrees. Your intellectual prowess is part of your intellect. Your intellect is actually a very, very important aspect of many people's lives. And you see professors, university professors, talk by the intellect. They, can, they glorify the intellect as if it's more superior to it. They fight on intellectual grounds. The intellectual war is real by professors and learned people. That is the second part of your soul. The third part is your emotions, your fear, your anger, your jealousy, the things that make you uncomfortable, your sense of foreboding, your sense of, ah, let me not do this. That's in your emotion. So God says, transform all these three. Romans chapter 12, this previous slide was saying, go back to the last slide. It says, stop, let's read this together. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Stop imitating. Tell that to someone, stop imitating. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Give your will to the Lord. So Lord, I offer you my will. I offer you my choices. I offer you my preferences. Say, Lord, I offer you my intellect. My brain does not, is not superior to your mind. The best knowledge I have, my learnings, my plans, my strategies, I lay them down before you. I offer you my fear, my anger, my jealousy, my ecstasy, the things that make my blood boil. I offer them to you. I offer you my life. I change the way I think. I offer it to you, my God. In the name name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Quickly, let me go on this slide and then I'll give you two examples and we can round up. Generally, what we're looking for is this, is these things. I had mentioned them before. Yeah? Remember we talked about arts, arts, smart, and outgone everyone, right? We don't want to be the foolish people. And I think that's one of the laws of Lagos. Open your eyes. Yeah, be sharp. Don't let anyone... Uh -huh. The year don't dull. Don't let anyone, you know, put you down, right? And it's very big on social media. 
it's okay for you to choose yourself. It's okay for you to prioritize. Then, when we are smart, what we're hoping to get is wealth. Yeah? Get more money. Then we'll get more money. We're hoping to get a reputation. A reputation will make us to fall in love. Anybody we ask, you love me, Ibim, so the finest girl in the church, Ibim, you love me. She has to say yes because you have a reputation. You understand? We hope that. <laughs> so reputation will help us to find love. And love will now help us to get, get legacy. Legacy where people will be talking about us. MK Abiola, the greatest philanthropist of Nigeria. Some of us are doing NGO work, not because we even feel anything. We just want our name to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put on your, NG, your resume that you are an NGO service provider, you know. You want to build legacy. So we're already determined how we're going to scheme our way into prominence. And people have told us, oh, if you want a job in that area, you have to volunteer. Go and volunteer. So we're volunteering, not because, you know, or people in the, in the UK, for example, you know, like, you know, if you give to charity, you're going to get tax rebates, you know. So you're not really giving to charity because you care about anyone, you know. You don't love Destiny Trust or anyone, you know. You just, want, you just love yourself, more or less, and you know that. Please help that baby. The baby is not comfortable. Take the baby out. Comfort the baby and then bring the baby back. Thank you. Don't let the baby cry and in, cry and cry and cry. Let's not be mean adults. <laughs> baby, cry. Cry here and hear the word, baby. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know when I start joking sometimes. So we actually are on this race. We've designed our plan. But if God wants to walk with you, he doesn't follow this plan. He scatters it. That's the problem. God doesn't follow our trajectory of progress. He creates your own trajectory. One day, you'll be talking to someone. That's how someone will be interested in you and they'll come and say, okay, come and work in our corporation. As you work in that corporation, then all of a sudden, they'll discover that you're the best man at data programming. Then all of a sudden, they will introduce you to Microsoft. And all of a sudden, you become a Microsoft data programmer. Microsoft is like, oh, your strategy is so good. I've seen people like that. It happens all the time. This guy just got introduced as a system engineer to a, a pharmaceutical company. All of a sudden, the pharmaceutical company in Nigeria says, okay, they're laying off everyone. He's the only one. All of a sudden, he, every, he now becomes a, pharmaceutical, a pharmaceutical technologist. And he becomes a manager. After a while... The other offices in Africa were calling him. How, what do we do for here? What do we do for here? And then he became Africa director. Honestly, he didn't have pharmacy in mind. Honestly, it was just introduction to technology he knew. But he kept growing. He kept growing. The path that you're going, that is going to lead you to greatness is not what you think. You can't plot it. If God wants to work with you, you can't plot it. You can't plot it. Especially today. You cannot work 10, 20 years in a job and hope that, okay, this is how it's going to end. You have to live your life on the waters. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters. Your bread means that which brings life for you. We use it for offering, but that's not what it means. Bread is your life. Cast your bread upon the waters and you'll find it after many days. Who is the waters? The waters of God, the rivers of God. Live your life in the hands of God. Give your life to the chance of what God wants you to be. Surrender your life to the fullness of God's agenda and God will create the cycle of life for you. 
Because what we're trying to do is to create a cycle by ourselves. And as long as we're forcing this thing, we reach frustration. We're, we're always asking questions, always coming to God. God, well, how will I know if you, are, if you are with me? How will I know? No, no, it's not whether God is with you. It's whether you are with God. Okay. <laughs> I don't know whether this message is making some of you sad. <laughs> Let's go into the Apostle Paul. For I think that God has displayed us as the apostles last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. They are looking at us like, hmm, what's going to happen next? <laughs> we are fools for Christ's sake. But you, who we are working for, you are wise in Christ. We are weak. But you are strong. You are distinguished. But we are dishonored. I know many apostles who don't realize that that's actually the call of an apostle. The call of an apostle is for me to be here by 9 o'clock and be praying that you guys will come to church and arrange the chairs for everybody. That's the call of an apostle. You want to be big in God? That's the call. You receive this honor so that everybody else can be honored. You cry in the night before you come out so that people can hear the word. You stand up in the presence of God so that the people can press into God. <laughs> you, you make the people wise in Christ, but it looks as if you are a fool. The burden of an apostle, a true apostle, is to agonize on behalf of God. Is to carry God's burden. It's as if they are constantly disadvantaged on account of God, what God as if. They are constantly disadvantaged on account. So, to, to, this, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed. Some of you, don't, some of you think like I have baths, right? I, I'm actually not looking bad today. But I want to tell you that this jacket is 15 years old. Right? That's how old I have to keep maintaining my clothes because when they finish, everybody buys me tea. Not clothes. <laughs> but I got this pocket square as a gift. I, I, I don't want to announce the name of the person. Just in case the person won't, won't, won't give me another gift again. <laughs> We're poorly clothed. I'm beaten and homeless. Do you know how many times I didn't have house rent? Last year, Pastor Uche was, and Pastor Fred were the ones who took it on themselves. They started gathering money to give me to pay house rent. Despite the fact that I preached my heart out. I'm really good at this preaching business. Have you met me one-on-one? -on -one? That's when I preach real good. But it's like we're broken. It's like as if we have nothing. So when men look at us in the natural, they look as if we're broken and, and disgusted and and angry at God. So some men of God decide to take the business into their hands. Do you understand? So they run a commercial church. So they drag the people of God. They force and ring and announce and, and push so that people can give more. And once more money comes, they now become big men of God. And because they can buy more airtime, all of a sudden they become more prominent. And because they become more prominent, we think that they are the leaders in the body of Christ. Many of the people we call leaders in the body of Christ just happen to have more money than the other pastors. The real leaders of the body of Christ are slaving somewhere. 
in Kafanchang. I always call Kafanchang because many people think it's not a real place, but it's a real place. In Nembe and Brass, by Elsa State. In Nasarawa, Guam, in Kano State. There are pastors there. In Yingi and Bauchis, I was passing through, traveling between Bauchi, between Kano. I never forget that experience. Between Kano and Joss, I went through the back road, which is through Bauchi State. In a small town called Yingi, there's a powerful church. It was like I arrived there, the Holy Spirit lit the flames in that Bauchi town. There are pastors who have been killed in Bew, in Damaturu, slaughtered in front of their children. These are the leaders of the body of Christ. But we, when we criticize, that's not what we're talking about. Who are you talking about? Because they have the budget, they're leaders, like you don't know how heaven counts. Literally, there are men who are on fire for God in this nation who will give everything for the gospel. Can I tell you guys something? God wants you today. I don't want to shout through this message. I actually want you to get it that God wants you. And God is promising you that even though this is your life, but the other life he has for you as well. So, let me read this scripture to the end. We labor, working with our own hands. Being cursed, we're blessed. I cannot end, tell you how many times people curse me. Say, Pastor Mo, your own is too much. Get out. We're not here for pastors. Being persecuted, we endured. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. The offscoring of all things until now. People continue to suspect us no matter what we do. People suspect me. You're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. And I'm wondering, like, how? Where is the... If I'm stealing money, like... Oh, come on. I don't know what to buy. People keep suspecting. Keep adding wrong to your life. But we're not the only ones. This is actually how God chose his apostles. See this guy. Paul, the apostle. This is actually the Hollywood version of Paul, the apostle. Netflix version. But he actually got it very well. And Timothy, who happens to be Jim Cavazel, or what's his name? The, the last Jesus of Nazareth. That's him. But, you know, in this particular movie, this is Paul, the apostle. He wrote half of the New Testament. He never married. He had a turn in his flesh. He walked. He, re- he made tents to support his ministry. And how he died, he was beheaded. Everything in the natural looked like this man was what? Total failure. It's not our success matrix. Many of us are even appointed to life. God is telling you, just live for me. Let people just see how you live for me. Just shine for me. I give you beauty. Shine for me. Yeah? Well, even that we struggle just to live for God. Look at the journey of some people who are called apostles. Do you guys understand what God wants from us? Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Every little excuse were gone. Every little excuse were gone. No one is digging the ground for other people to enter. 
No one is holding. No one is reliable enough and says, you can count on me to build. Look at the men who served God. Look at the people who are going to meet in heaven. Look at our mates in glory. <laughs> Finally, let's talk about Joseph. Maybe one more. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, saying, Bow the knees. And they made him ruler over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all of Egypt. This is the end of Joseph's journey. By this time, Joseph had become 30 years. He left his home as a teenager. He arrived in the promise of God when he was 30. Some of us are appointed to death. Some of us are appointed to life. Whatever you are appointed to, you have to make peace with God and the journey because whatever you do will be beautiful. Is Paul's life not beautiful now? When we take a look at it, read it. The guy brought the gospel to over 40 countries in Asia. The guy wrote more than half of the New Testament. What are you living for that is bigger than that? Do you understand? He had millions. Because of him, a modern generation can understand the gospel. Do you know the most modern book in the Bible? The book of Romans. It was written to a cosmopolitan city. You understand? So if you want to understand all modern day issues, covered very well in the book of Romans. And Paul penned down that letter from prison in Rome. Do you guys understand what it means to write something that enters into the Bible and everybody in all generations will read it? So God was giving that man something bigger, but everyone in his day will think he is suffering. Meanwhile, what God gave him was bigger. Look at Joseph. After all Joseph passed through, he became prime minister. We read this in, verse, in chapter 41. How he died many deaths before this. He was a lonely slave, sold at the market. The boy who rose up with dreams. Time will film me to tell you about Joseph and, how, and his dreams. And we know the story. But if you don't know the story, go and read it. It's from Genesis 40 all the way to 45. The story of Joseph. He dreamed dreams. He suffered many things. He was Potiphar's slave. From Potiphar's slave, he found favor. Between the time when Joseph entered prison, when Joseph came as a slave into Egypt, and when he entered the palace, it was like 15 years. 15 years. How many of us can endure for 15 years? One day in police cell, <laughs> It seemed like boom, the palace, but it wasn't boom. It was actually a slow, grinding process. What are you going through today that makes you feel God has abandoned you? What are you going through today that makes you feel that God has left you alone? He has not left you. He has not left you. He has not left you. If you believe this, say amen. amen. There's a day of elevation coming. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, in all of Egypt, no one can lift up a hand except, except you. no one can challenge you. Joseph more or less became prime minister. And from that time, if you, let, if you learn how he ran the economy of the entire country, he bought everybody's land, he bought grain, 
He stored it. He was administrator. Man, can you believe the amount of skills this guy got from administering Potiphar's house first? Truly, the spirit of excellence was on Joseph. Where today, people who want to set up training institutions, I call it Joseph Institute, and they're training people how to be businessmen. Who trained Joseph? That's like what I want you guys to get. The Holy Spirit can train you. We are running Joseph Institute. Some churches, their, their business in, uh, organization is called Joseph Institute. But who trained Joseph? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can train you. I'm not saying you shouldn't go and study. Because Joseph studied. I don't know what kind of studies he studied in prison, in Potiphar's house. But there was some way he continued to improve himself. That whatever came to him, he had ability. He kept growing his ability. But don't forget the hand of God was upon him as well. What I'm saying is not that you shouldn't train. What I'm saying is that you should seek the hand of God to be upon you as you go on the journey of life. I'm not saying you shouldn't become a doctor. You need to be a doctor. You need to learn medicine. You need to practice. You need to go and take, you need to go and learn about diseases if you are medical. If, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be a professional. It shouldn't be about money. Someone here should be passionate about financial inclusion and go and learn everything she needs to learn about how to change the landscape of two-thirds of Nigerians who are not in the banking system. Can you believe there's only one-third? I was like, what? Only one-third of Nigerians have bank account with all the boosts. Two-thirds don't have because that includes children. Right. So, it means like there's a big market for the banking industry still. Somebody needs to learn how to do financial inclusion. There is stuff for us to do in the marketplace. But once God tells us, oh, this is your journey, guess what we do? We turn our back on God and run to the marketplace. I cannot tell you the number of people who are not here in church today because they, are, they have a new business idea has just come. And they're trying to stir it up. They, they throw in Sunday, they throw in every time. No, where is the Lord's place? Where is the Lord's place as you chase? Where is the pursuit of God in the midst of your work? Where is the place for God? Where is the priority of God? Don't you know that when you pray, God opens your mind with intelligence? Hallelujah. So, I'm going to round up now. The last person, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 55, verse 10. I like this picture of Jesus Christ. These are the women in his ministry. So, this was... Mary, the mother of Jesus. No, this was Mary, the mother of Jesus. This was uh, the Ethiopian woman in the ministry of Jesus. I think this is Mary Magdalene. Right. So cool, right? I love this photo. Because people think like Jesus did not have women in his ministry. He did. He had strong women. The Bible says that these women were very close. They went everywhere with him. He had a camp of men and women. And they went and did ministry together. The 12 he called apostles because he could send them far and there, but he didn't discriminate against the women at all. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God brought Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to grief. He made his soul an offering for sin. But three things happened when God bruised Jesus Christ. Number one. Let's read these three things together. Number one. That's so low. Can we lift up your voice? One, two, go. He shall see. His seed. Number two. 
he shall prolong his days. Number three, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. When you go through stuff, God is not a masochist. He doesn't cause pain for the sake of pain. He wants to do something using your life. When God touched the life of Jesus Christ, these are the three things God wanted to do with the life of Jesus Christ. Isaiah outlines them. That seed will come to you. Because of what you've gone through, seed will come to you. If you believe it, say amen. amen. That God will give you seed for every day you've been broken. For every season you've been hurt, God will bring seed to you. And God will prolong your days. That's the next thing the Bible says. God will prolong your days. Say amen. And he says, the Lord's good pleasure will prosper in his hands. The work of God will prosper in your hands. Say, Amen. Amen. When God passes us through trials, he doesn't pass us through trials because he wants to destroy us. When God passes us through difficulty, it's not because he wants to harm us. It's because he has a place. He has something inside of him that he wants to bring out from your life. Say, Amen. Say amen. Say, Lord, I believe. Say, Lord, I receive every trouble I've been through. Say it out. Say, every trouble I've been through. I, I lay it up for your glory. Every difficulty that's happened to me. I ask, Lord God, that you turn it, oh God, into a testimony. Every test, oh God, that I've been through, oh God, according to your word. If it happened to Jesus Christ, that's how it happened to me. That when he was persecuted, when he died, something happened you prolonged his days he saw his seed and the pleasure of the lord prospers in his hands the lord's good work was good in his hands every time he spoke power came out because he gave himself fully to you when jesus gave himself when jesus offered himself something bigger than him happened so today there are over 2 billion Christians in the world. And how did that happen? By Jesus dying. Judaism would have been dead by now. I hope you know. If Jesus did not die and reach out to the Gentiles, Judaism with the scatter of the Jews would have just been like the Jewish religion. God broke that small place into a bigger place and touched the whole world through the person of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus offered himself, two billion people on earth can say they are the followers of Christ. That's the seed of... Jesus saw his seed. The Lord's good pleasure prosper in his hands. Have you ever been sick and God came into your life and healed you? Have you ever been through trouble and Jesus came into the room? Have you ever come into a place and the presence of God is with you? That is how you know the power of what Jesus has done. The pleasure of the Lord is good in his hands. I just lift up your hands this morning. I just anoint your hands today to receive the pleasure of the Lord. Call upon me and I will show you 
great and mighty things you do not know. Don't waste your moment. Don't worry about the things of this world. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will put on. Don't worry about these things. For after these things, the Gentiles seek. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added upon you. As you lift up your hands, I ask that the oil of the Spirit of God will come upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask that divine strategies will be open to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for the unlocking of heavenly keys upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for the open gates of the kingdom of God around your family, around your friends, around your borders in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for newness to come upon you. I ask for life to fill your world in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for power. I ask that none of you will come to God and remain dry and remain in the place where you used to be and there will be acceleration of your relationship with God and God will open heavenly things. He says, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I ask that there will be great and mighty revelations in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Jesus Christ is the model of God. Jesus Christ is the model of God. Don't waste a moment. Joseph did not waste his moments. Paul did not waste his, waste his moments. Jesus did not waste his moments. Don't waste a moment. Don't waste a moment. Don't waste time. This is the time for you to stand up. For example, in two weeks' time, we're going out to preach. I'm looking forward to standing on the street with a microphone and say, Jesus loves you. Come, everyone who is hungry. I'm looking forward to people who are going to stand and not be ashamed to give out tracts. I'm looking for people who are not going to be afraid to carry a guitar and just play, I love you, Lord, with all my heart. I'm looking for people who are going to stand in this city and speak of the goodness of God. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul shall shout. I'm looking for people who are not going to be ashamed of the gospel of God. Who are going to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm no more wasting my time. I'm no more wasting my life. I'm living for something bigger I'm looking for men who are going to stand up and say as God leads me I will go wherever God takes me I will go call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know says the Spirit of God don't waste a moment God bless you thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.